You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Have you ever thought about the power of decisions? Your decisions determine your destination in life. Every single decision that you've made or haven't made has led you to the place that you are right now. And for better or worse, this is one of the most powerful things that we have in our universe is the power to decide. Oftentimes, it's not about our conditions, our circumstances, it's how we respond to those things and making the choices that empower us. And sometimes we have missteps, sometimes we need some course correction, but ultimately, the power is always right there to decide something that can change our lives forever. Now, the problem is, it's not that the decision itself is often complex or even difficult in some instances. It's getting to a place where we feel confident enough, strong enough to evoke the power of that decision. It's getting ourselves to the place where we actually make the decision. Because how long does it actually take to make a decision that can change the course of our lives? Instantly, it can happen in a moment. But what takes time is getting ourselves to the place where we actually make the decision, where we actually say, enough is enough. I'm putting this habit down. I'm going to take this particular job. I'm going to move to this particular state. I'm going to choose to spend the rest of my life with this person. I'm going to, to, to decide to have another child. I'm going to decide to go back to school. Whatever the case might be, it changes the course of our lives. And we have immense power to make decisions. And so this is why it's such an important and powerful topic to understand some of the inner workings of what decisions really constitute and also diving in deeper and looking at how can we feel more empowered to make decisions that lead us to the life that we truly want. So really, really excited about this episode. And one of the decisions for us to make before we get started today is to invest in our own health and wellness. Right now, we are dealing with a multitude of different societal health issues, and we really need an insurance to really buffer our system, to go to the next level. And right now, the reality is most foods grown conventionally just simply don't cut it. Our soil is different. Our systems of agriculture are radically different than what they were even a few decades ago. And we have to fortify our nutrition the best that we can. And so this is why I'm a huge fan of superfood concentrates, organic, even wild foods in some instances that can really fortify and provide our body with the basic building blocks that it needs to regenerate our tissues, to help to modulate and support our immune system, to literally build our immune cells. And this is why I'm such a big proponent of every single person getting themselves a green superfood concentrate. And I say superfood because something that is packing the punch, the nutritional punch of something like spirulina, which is 71% protein by weight, is the most protein dominant food ever discovered. Gram for gram, the highest protein food in the world. And it's also incredibly dense in chlorophyll, which is a well-noted blood builder. Also magnesium, also rare compounds like phycocyanin has been clinically proven to stimulate something called stem cell genesis, which is the creation of new stem cells. And if you know anything about stem cells, stem cells become all the cells that our body needs, right? It is literally the root 
of creating a diverse array of cells. We need those stem cells to be able to do those jobs. So very few foods have been discovered that can stimulate that capacity. All right, so spirulina, also chlorella. Chlorella is another super dense source of chlorophyll, thus the name chlorella, but it also has rare compounds like the chlorella growth factor that's found in there that has really great benefits for our cognitive function and also helping to defend our bodies and chelate heavy metals, defend our bodies against heavy metal toxicity. Really cool stuff that chlorella is able to do as well. These are just two of the green superfoods that is found in my favorite green superfood blend that myself and my family has on a regular basis from Organifi. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off their incredible green juice formula. And here's the key. It also tastes really good. All right, because spirulina and chlorella alone, eh, not so much, but their incredible blend. Bringing into the mix some coconut water, for example, the ashwagandha, and all these other flavor notes that create something really special. And it feels just refreshing when you drink it. And those who know, who know about Organifi's refreshing feeling, you definitely know all about it. Head over there, check them out, Organifi.com forward slash model for 20% off. Now, let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Number One Source to a Healthy Lifestyle by Amber Drysdale. Listening to you for several years and you still put out the most top-rated material time and again. Easy, accessible information for our health and wellness backed up by scientific research and practical tools that you can implement in everyday living. Love, love, love this podcast. Sean's voice and humor are so enjoyable coupled with his extensive knowledge and background. I'm able to learn from him effortlessly and share it with others. Love, love, love that review. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your heart over on Apple Podcasts. That means so much to me. I truly, truly do appreciate that. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Coach Mike Bayer, and he's a two-time New York Times bestselling author, television personality, and personal development coach whose mission is to help people achieve sound mental health in order to become their best selves. Mike dedicated the earlier part of his career as a drug and alcohol counselor and board-registered interventionist. In 2005, Mike founded CAST, C-A-S-T Centers, a leading dual diagnostic treatment center located in Los Angeles, California. Coach Mike has a highly renowned track record helping A-list celebrities. Seriously, you definitely know some of the people that he's worked with. They, they call on Mike when they have troubles and he is a incredible problem solver. He's helped A-list celebrities and also everyday folks to heal and recover. Mike hosts his own podcast called Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bayer. And he also sits on Dr. Phil's advisory board and makes regular appearances on programs such as Dr. Phil, The Doctors, and The Dr. Oz Show. And now we're going to dive into this conversation with the amazing Coach Mike Bayer. Mike. Sean. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm been wanting to come on this show. I'm excited. It's special, man. I'm very grateful to have you. Thanks. And in your new book, you talk a lot about authenticity. Mm. Why is authenticity so important right now? Why is it such a big part of our success? You know, authenticity is the type of thing that we have to go back to over and over again. You know, whether it's how we show up at 
an event. It's how we show up in our personal life. It's how we show up in our business life. And when we aren't being authentic, and that term gets thrown around a lot these days, like everyone's like, be yourself while they're like in a bikini hanging over a cliff and taking a selfie, right? Like, I don't know if that's authenticity. That seems like I want to get some likes, but figuring out authentically for yourself what it means to be authentic, because otherwise we end up with a lifestyle or a life that's incongruent with who we are. And it causes a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. That word itself. I mean, we were just talking about this before the show. Marketers tend to screw everything up and taking a true principle like authenticity and turning it into a tactic. Right. You know, I'm being real, but. Which with, makes it confusing. Yeah. Right. For, for, for people. Yeah. For people. Yeah. It's really confusing. Well, this leads into the question, how do we actually tap into our authenticity? Why is it so difficult today to be ourselves? Mm. Well, I think the more we're on social media, the harder it is to be ourselves. So, and I'm someone who struggled with being authentic for many years. You know, I struggled because uh, I grew up playing basketball. I grew up in a family. I'm the shortest male out of all the men. I'm six foot five. My dad's six seven. My mom's six eight. My sister's six one. So it was a basketball family. And I grew up and we all grow up in these families and and we look around us and because they played basketball i thought oh i love basketball i ended up being pretty good at it i uh, went to this high school called modern day where i was you know captain of the basketball team i went with the homecoming queen <clears throat> i was popular uh but i was kind of miserable inside you know i was doing all those things that i thought we do to be accepted yeah the truth for me at the time was, I'm well, I am gay, but at the time I didn't know what it was. Mm. I really didn't know what it was because there was no social media. And the only examples of that was RuPaul on TV, which I, I love RuPaul, but I can't relate. Like fun, entertaining. And then there was a guy on the show, The Real World named Pedro, and he ended up dying of HIV. And the, there's no poor me in this. It's just, I literally didn't know what it was. and when you don't know what's going on with you and you feel shame you try really hard to be accepted by others to people please to get others to love you for accolades and because of that i ended up using a lot of drugs and i uh, ended up going to therapy at a very young age because my parents were like what is going on with michael and you know and part of the reason i've been so passionate about authenticity for almost 20 years is because I know what it's like to live an inauthentic life. And I love to help people find their, their truth of who they are. And, you know, being gay is one of 10,000 descriptions of who I am, but it's, it causes a lot of pain and suffering when who we are, uh, we just don't talk about and we don't express and we stuff it. And, um, and so it's just, it's, it's for all of us, we constantly have to go back to like, who am I? You know, who am I? Because sometimes who we think we are is who our parents said we were. Then later in life, we're like, my mom was like this. My dad was like this. That's not who I am, right? But I, for me, I find a helpful tool is if we start to write out the descriptions of 
who we are when we feel free. And, you know, I'm funny, I'm charismatic, I'm fearless, whatever it is. And, and then for me, I, when I work with people, we create a character. Yeah. Um, mine is a wizard. It's actually, I have a wizard up my arm on my sleeve. You've been to my house, I got yeah. wizards all over my house. And it's a reminder that like, when I'm being authentic, I feel like I'm a wizard in my own life. Mm. And I can bring the wizard into different situations instead of bringing this feeling of like, anxiety or not being accepted and and uh yeah man i'm just which is another character which is another character and that that i have everyone create what i call their anti-self yeah and uh you know for me my anti-self is a male witch uh, because i don't think i don't remember male witches having friends right. you know you don't see and by that the way the short term for male witch is a mitch is it yeah mitches it's i'm a, just i'm just making that up no, I but no i idea. dig it I mean, I did, mine was called Angelos, which is the Greek god of provocation, where basically you is, I isolate, I complain about the world, I look at champagne problems, I don't do anything about it. Mm. And when you can add a little bit of humor to that part of us right. that struggles, and, and I've been doing this for years. I mean, I've been doing it with business executives, uh, celebrities. Um, you know, I remember one entertainer I worked with didn't want to like do any deals. And we basically created a squirrel named Ralph. And Ralph went into every meeting and ended up getting a VMA, you know, just mm. by making a decision to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful, you know, and I know some of the people you work with as well, and they just rave about you. Just, this is what I really love about your work and how you translated that over into a book is really remarkable. Thank you. Which is a lot of people are in the business unknowingly of just knowing stuff. Like they're, they're picking up all these little insights from self-help, mm. they're getting inspired, but what are you gonna do with it? Right. And so you get people taking action within the book. And I love that as being able to basically dictate what are the qualities that are my best self, mm -hmm. and give that person a name, give that, create a character around that and know that the other qualities that are not so worthy of you right. and giving that a name and a character. And it's just like, oh, there goes, that Mitch again, yep. you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm being a little Mitch right now. Exactly. And you can start to even create humor and to see it when it's happening and it starts to break that, the tension because that's part of the, the issues in our life. And I wanna ask you about this. Yeah. I think that when, when tough times are happening, we're so invested in it. Mm. We get so caught up in the rapture of the right. thing and we're not able to step back and to see a bigger picture. And oftentimes the problem isn't remotely mm. as big as we make it out to be. Yeah, it's like an ant, uh, what do they say? An anthill becomes a volcano, mm. you know? Right. <laughs> was it was an anthill or an ant farm, you know, where they're all coming out suddenly it's, you know, exploding. Yeah, but it's interesting how we focus on the things that don't matter to us a year from now. and Or even next week. Or even at the end of the day. <laughs> right. right, true. <laughs> yeah, we create such intensity you know, around things that really don't matter. And, um, and life is short, you know, the saying is true. A lot of these sayings are sayings because they make sense. Right. And the things that bother us today, uh, unless it's really around like our health, you know, if we're here on this earth and we're wanting to have a great experience, you know, yes, it's important to have the mindset connect to the health, but if, if if someone isn't focusing on their health, they're gonna have more depression, they're gonna have more anxiety, um, they're going to have more health issues, 
you know, one of the businesses that I founded over 15 years ago is called Cast Centers. It's a treatment center. We're an outpatient. So we deal with people, half our pop populations like depression, anxiety, co-occurring disorders. The other half is alcoholism and drug addiction. I can tell you that 99% of the clients, when they enter into our outpatient, have absolutely terrible health. They, uh, because their mindset has affected them so much that they're not thinking about what they're putting in their body. You know, and, and that's the danger of not getting your mindset under control is it just starts to really affect every area. That's shocking. I mean, th this is anecdotal evidence, but very real and tangible. Mm. N you're saying like over 90% of folks. At least. I mean, I, I can't yeah. think of anyone unless someone was like, you know, but even then, like I'm thinking an example would be someone who's like a bodybuilder. But even right. then, it's an extreme. They're going to an extreme. They're taking right. opiates or pain, but whatever, right? I can't think of anyone. Not to say it's, it's they don't tied. look okay. Yeah. But if we were to really do an analysis of when are you eating, what are you eating? Uh, they're you know they're not going to the doctor because when somebody's depressed, they're not the priority list really changes. Right. You know, I don't know depress any depressed people that are really that concerned about what they're putting in their body. You said this earlier, some of the terms that we say really are real. Mm. I often point to the fact people don't do well because they don't feel well. Right. And these things feed into each other. So if we're talking about depression, anxiety, alcohol abuse, whatever the case might be, th these are all faculties that can destroy our health, but poor health leads more into those and, and of course, feeling like it can be like a snowball effect. Yeah, a vicious circle. I spoke to someone two days ago, successful guy. He said, I just feel miserable. Like I just feel off and I'm, I feel lost. He's like, I'm making more money than ever. I have a kid on the way. I should be grateful for everything. And I said to him, I said, when was the last time you worked out? He goes, uh, uh, well, I was doing it five days a week. I said, well, when was that? He goes, before COVID. I go, so in 18 months, you haven't worked out once? He goes, no. I go, how's your food? He goes, terrible. Mm. And I'm like, all right, so you're doing, you think that you're gonna love life if you're not taking care of your health. Like it makes, it's, and I really believe if this guy, sometimes the solution isn't going to talk therapy. It isn't hiring me as a coach. It's not coming to our outpatient. It's literally get your ass in the gym, go for a walk, start to sweat, and eat healthier. It's that simple for some. That's it's true. And for me, it just goes back to a really simple principle is that, you know, the, the mind, the, the brain that he's having these thoughts contained in, it's made from food. Right. You know, so what are you making your container out of, mm -hmm. you know? And the same thing with our movement practices, your, your DNA expects you to move. If you're not moving, all kinds of programs are gonna start turning on basically to keep us alive, but put us on, sleep mode in a sense, right. you know, down-regulating everything. We need movement to thrive. These are basic things. We do. So I love that you, again, incorporate those things, but you also live by example. I think recently, didn't you, you recently started doing jujitsu? I do, so I do jujitsu uh, four days a week. So during COVID, I realized that I miss community. Mm. Like I miss, like I would, I'm gay, but I don't feel like I'm a part of the gay community. Right, like 
I don't even know what that means these days. You know, like everyone speaks on behalf of communities. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys even, who are you speaking for? Right. Like, but I, uh, I love sport. I like to be athletic. And I thought, what is, what is a way to kind of, you know, uh, uh, hit two birds with one stone. And I was like, if I can create a community of people that are kind of cool to be around, like I like them and I can also exercise. And so I, I had tried jujitsu through the years. I did it once every six months to a year and I would learn and jujitsu is basically a martial arts, uh, Brazilian jujitsu is you wear what's called a gi, they're robes and you put a belt around it. And essentially you roll, they call it with another person. And it ends either by time running out or you have to tap because you're getting your arm broken or leg, you know, knee, knee dislocated or, um, it or choked out. so fun. I love it. Okay. So, and so I sedan. love it. There's, by the way, there's no homoeroticism in this for me. Like, I just want to put that out there. I've never, no, no, because sometimes people have said to me, they're like, oh, I bet you do. I'm like, trust me, dude, I'm trying to survive. Like, I feel like I'm going to get like pass out or something. But what it's done for me, I have this amazing professor, Professor Cabrina. And uh, when I started training with them, it's just awesome. You know, it opens your hips. It makes you breathe. It's one I love sports where you can't think about anything else. Yeah. You're so in the moment right, right. Like with hot yoga. And so I'm actually entering a tournament in November, a jiu-jitsu tournament. Incredible. Yeah. So I'll be in the ultra heavyweight division. Um, and uh, I just, it's, it's been a game changer for me. And I think after COVID for a lot of people, I've found it's figuring out how do you create a community of people that also you like to do exercise with i find that's really helpful yeah you know that's so great that's so great and that, th this also speaks to over the years because you've done a lot of stuff mm. you've tried different you know activities sports experiences travel but there's always more yeah. and you proactively decided let me put myself in this probably an uncomfortable position like literally right and challenging yourself and i could see you kind of light up and talking about it yeah and we all can tap into that, but we have to give ourselves permission to try new things. We have to try new things. And it's, it's uh, really easy to get our brains to be like, I don't like that. But it's like, like I've heard some people be like, I don't like therapy. And I'm like, well, who is your therapist? It's like, I don't like my trainer. Well, who is your trainer? Like, how do you know you don't like something after one or two times? You know, especially when it's someone else teaching us. I'm a, I'm a learner. You know, I like to learn. So if I can be in a setting and even when I had you on my podcast, it's like I get to learn when I can be a student. I'm thrilled because in other aspects of life, I feel like I'm viewed as like a, a teacher of things, you know, especially when I'm on Dr. Phil, it's like I'm that role. So it feels really good to like be a student. You just gave a huge secret to mm. some of the greatest teachers and coaches in the world. They're major students. Mm. you know really lifetime students i'm obsessively i'm just curious i just right. want i just want to learn i want to explore but also this goes back to i don't want to just know stuff i want to do stuff right and put in action see what happens right get that real world feedback yeah yeah so this leads into your new book right and you you titled it one decision mm. what what drove you to what was the decision for you to call it one decision <laughs> well you know, my my first book that came out was called Best Self, which helps people find out who they are authentically and creating that part of you and looking at your whole life and 
figuring out how do I be authentic in every aspect of my life, from my personal to my spiritual to my health, you know, because we don't sit back and screen our lives until we're in a crisis often. And so my style of writing is very much like working with me as a coach where they're the person's writing in the book and underlining and answering questions. Uh, it's like, how can I give someone a coaching experience? And with one decision, I realize that everything comes down to one decision. Like every aspect of our life comes down to one decision. And, and we're just one decision away from making a change. And sometimes they are big decisions, but often they're really just small little one decisions that have a huge impact in our life for the better. So the intention of the book is to help people start to just make one decisions in their life that ultimately can lead them to make better decisions for themselves. That's a right off the bat. That's a powerful insight because we're just one decision away truly from changing our lives. Now the decision is always there and possible, but what is it? Why can't we get ourselves to the place where we actually make that decision? What, what do we need to do to get ourselves well, to that place? Yeah. So there's two things. One is figuring out, okay, what is causing us the most stress or, you know, sometimes it's helpful to, to, to figure out what is, uh, giving us the most anxiety. I found working with people that we often think something is bothering us, but it's not actually that thing. You know, like we may think, God, I'm really stressed because uh, I need to make more money. But what someone's actually stressed about is security, safety. It's deeper than what our brains are saying. And sometimes we can still create that security and safety. So we feel different Mm. and ultimately we'll make more money. Mm. But when we're looking at that thing outside of ourselves, so the first part is changing our mindset around what it is that we're wanting to change. Like I said, I do a lot of assessments in my work. So I really wanna figure out like very quickly what is working because uh, some people, and and that's a great thing, right? Like everyone has areas of their life that are working tremendously and we don't take time to appreciate those areas. We don't go, well, I'm killing it in this arena. Like I feel good. And so I, I like to kind of help people just add a number to these different areas. And then once we figure out that lowest number, let's say it's your uh, finances or your health or whatever, then then I ask, well, how motivated are you to change it? Because if you're not motivated to change it, then let's not focus on that. Let's focus on something else. And so I do another test that's kind of like, all right, well, let's figure out your motivation. Mm-hmm. And then we take a look at how are we currently viewing that problem? Because often when we struggle, I created what's called the force. I love acronyms. I know you do too. Um, the force is when we, uh, it stands, the negative force is when we're fortune telling. You know, we often fortune tell because we think we're protecting ourselves. Oh, they would never hire me. Oh, I could never do that. So the force acronym is designating a negative force in our lives. Correct. Okay, so we got F. So when we, yeah, so we have F, which is fortune telling. And the force is the mindset that drives us to be able to not get into a solution. So O would be overgeneralizing. You know, this is where like racism exists. This is where sexism exists. This is where um, I'm not good enough exists or I tried that once before, so it can't happen. 
Right. So overgeneralizing gets in the way. Rigidity, which is also known as right fighting, that really blocks us from learning uh, and figuring out new ways that we can approach a situation. We'll sometimes see this in companies where people need to be right and they're not team players. And not just in companies and relationships. Correct. As well. For sure. For sure. Especially yeah. with people who are parenting. Ooh, we see yeah. that a lot. Yeah. And also, so that would be rigidity, like, having tunnel vision, basically, and not being able to see all the options. Correct. It's like the need for control, you know, the need to be right. It's like that person that like you get together with and you're both unsure, but they go home and Google it and send you a text to prove they're right. <laughs> Even though you don't really care. Who are you hanging out with? That's Mike? my dad. <laughs> okay. My dad was a right fighter. I love my dad to pieces, yeah. but like, you know, those people, there's a lot of these people, trust me. And then mm. C is confused purpose. That's when we're just confused or lost in life. We're just like, why am I, why am I going to do that? Um, like you're just stuck. And E is emotional reasoning, which is basically like the same feelings aren't facts. Because I see a lot of people going, I feel this way, therefore it's the truth. Well, just because you feel that way, you know, if every time we were accurate just upon the way we feel, mm. if, I, if I thought just the way I feel, then I'd still be addicted to drugs. I mean, mm. it's like, it doesn't work. And that's where a victim mindset comes in. That's where people uh, typically will, you know, you hurt my feelings. And it, that type of stuff just doesn't allow us to feel empowered. So those are obstacles. Yeah. So we, when we get into the opportunities, that's the positive force. And from my experience, people, and it's, it's hard to kind of articulate without like guiding someone through an exercise around it. But really what I've found is if we can get someone from one of those negative forces to a positive force, then they can make one decision from that point of view. So like instead of fortune telling, they're fact finding. So I'll find that people will fortune tell, oh, they'll never hire me. And I'll say, well, let's look at the facts. Do you think they've ever hired someone who hasn't completed college? Oh, so you think only successful people completed like college? You know, like get into the facts of, around it. Instead of overgeneralizing, we get into objective thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we looking at this person, place, or thing that is objective using critical thinking? Instead of being rigid, having rigidity, we begin to relaxed. Relaxed is more casual, like we were talking about a little while ago. Like it doesn't matter. We're holding on to it like it's so important when we, really we can be chill about it. The C is having clarified purpose. So, you know, and I found this so helpful. It's like when we get confused, especially now that a lot of people are reconnecting after COVID or they may go to a dinner and they're confused, like, why am I here? Like, it's because we haven't clarified our purpose. We're there to show up for a friend. It's not about us. We're there because we're going to network. So once we get into that clarifying our purpose, we don't isolate. We show up. We get curious. And then instead of emotional reasoning, it's evidence-based thinking, which is really getting into the evidence. So that's just like a quick hack that we go through in one decision, because I've found that the reason why people can't get into an opportunity mindset is they're stuck in this negative force. I love that so much. It's like the, the, the dark side of the force. You got it. Yeah. Wow, this yeah. is so good, man. And, yeah. and what really jumped out to me of, of all of those is the emotional reasoning. Mm. I think Tell that's me. a huge, huge uh, player in our lives. And also from that emo emotional decision-making, 
Right. So making decisions exactly. based off of our emotions. And That's not why we of, say sleep on it. Mm, right. Sleep smarter on it. <laughs> sleep smarter on yes. it, right? That's don't powerful. react don't be impulsive because that's out of emotion yeah there's a statement to never make a um a long-term decision on a temporary emotion mm. you know so having a little bit more resolve but within that i love the the other side of it which is evidence-based thinking right and we're big big proponents of that here and also but we the, the emotion isn't bad that's the thing too and right. what i love about your work as well but it's like using it intelligently so we can take this evidence-based thinking and imbue it with emotion yeah i think and there's different types obviously there's a huge range of emotions and everyone is different but i think if we're viewing something where it's causing us to suffer then we should look at the evidence and make sure it's okay for us to suffer that it's like that level of um of struggle that you know, I really like to help people get out of because once we, like you said, once we get into the evidence, it feels better. Yeah, you just naturally feel better just upon looking at the problem differently. So good, so good. Got a quick break coming up. We'll be right back. Our microbiome plays major roles in regulating our metabolism, literally playing a role in determining how many calories are absorbed from our food, for example. Our microbiome also controls so much about our mood with the vast majority of our body's serotonin being produced in our gut. And our microbes interact with these enterochromaffin cells and enteroendocrine cells that produce our hormones and neurotransmitters in our bellies. And one of the biggest issues we're seeing today is gut dysbiosis, where friendly microbes are getting overrun by opportunistic bacteria. One of the few amazing sources of nutrition that's been found clinically to reverse gut dysbiosis is highlighted in a study published in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry. It discovered that the traditional fermented tea called pu'er may be able to reverse gut dysbiosis by dramatically reducing ratios of potentially harmful bacteria and increasing ratios of beneficial bacteria. Another peer-reviewed study published in the journal Nature Communications uncovered that a unique compound called theobrownin found in traditional fermented pu'er has remarkable effects on our microbiome as well. And the researchers found that theobrownin positively alters gut microbiota and directly reduces hepatic, aka liver fat, and reduces lipogenesis, which means the creation of fat. Pu'er is absolutely amazing on so many levels, and it's also a powerful adjunct to any fat loss protocol because it's been found to support fat loss while protecting muscle at the same time. And this was documented in a recent study featured in Clinical Interventions in Aging. Now the key is the source of the pu'er matters a lot. And the only pu'er that I drink uses a patented cold extraction technology that extracts the bioactive compounds in the tea at cold to low temperatures for up to eight hours. And this process gently extracts natural antioxidants and phytonutrients and preserves them in a whole bioavailable form. And this is the purest way to extract the phytonutrients for maximum efficacy. This pu'er is also wild harvested, making it even more concentrated in the polyphenols that we see having benefits in those clinical trials. Also, triple toxin screened for one of the highest levels of purity, tested for pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic molds, and making sure that it is not in your tea, which is common in most other teas. This is why 
am a massive fan of Peak Tees. Go to peaktee.com forward slash model. That's P-I-Q-U-E-T-E-A.com forward slash model. And you get 10% off their amazing fermented pu'er and all of their other incredible teas. These teas are in a league of their own. Their pu'er is amazing. I'm a huge fan of their ginger tea as well. Go to peaktea.com forward slash model. Again, you get 10% off everything that they carry. One of the best investments in your health, supporting your microbiome, supporting your metabolism. It is absolutely amazing. Head over to peaktea.com forward slash model. And now back to the show. So I want to ask you about this within mm. one decision, within that framework of, again, the decision is always present. You know, when I made the decision to improve my health, for example, mm. the decision was always there. It just took me time to get to the place where I made the decision because it literally, my life changed the moment I stopped blaming, mm. you know, asking why me, why won't somebody help me to asking a different question. I asked, what can I do to get healthy? What can I do to feel right. better? And it, in that moment, my life changed. Now that was followed by action, mm. of course, but I wanna talk about this because you also have the four O's mm. and it starts off with the obstacle. Mm. So can we go through that? Sure, this is just another quick tool hack is, um, and, and I think in self-help or the genre I'm in, I'm always helping people get out of a problem or an obstacle because, um, you know, usually I find that I'm trying to help someone overcome a way that they're looking at something. So uh, first it's figuring out what the obstacle is. Like, give me an example, maybe that would help. Okay, so right now a lot of folks are dealing with issues with the job market. Mm. A lot of folks lost their jobs over the presence of COVID and kind of taking over people's lives. Uh, a lot of folks had to pivot and do new things. But right now, there's still millions of people who are un unemployed, specifically mm -hmm. folks who had to shut their doors to their businesses permanently. You know, my wife and I just went out because stuff is sort of opened up. Right, in LA. sort of. And we went to a restaurant and right across was, I'd say, our favorite restaurant. And it's closed down permanently. Mm -hmm. It's been here operating for many, many years, but they were forced to shut their doors. And I think about the family who runs that business, mm -hmm. what, what can they do to recover their, they've lost some, something they've really invested so much of their life into. Yeah. And I know this is a story for a lot of people. Well, and I think it also, from my experience working with a lot of people who've had some businesses closed down, some have said to me it was a blessing and it allowed them to focus on other things. Like they felt ball and chained to that specific business. However, when somebody really has to pivot and change their career, you know, the mindset, right? It's not to say it doesn't suck. And it's not to say it doesn't feel fair. It's not taking away from all of that. It's a matter of what is the opportunity today that could change everything. And when somebody is really stressed out around money, it, filters into every area of their life. So if somebody's stressed out about money, then the opportunity would be, well, what are some new ways to make money? What have you always wanted to do that you couldn't do before? Could you consult? Could you advise? Could you take that wisdom and experience and bring it to another arena? Could you write a book? Could you speak? Could you call that school down the street that your kids go to and 
share that wisdom. Can you call that business? Like, could you believe in yourself now that you're capable of doing it? Could you find a new business partner? Do you have an idea? You know, like all those are opportunities. And as soon as we're able to see the opportunities, we get inspired and we can start to make some changes. The mindset of like, that sucks, it's all over, it's impossible to create new opportunities. Mm, you're already limiting yourself right out of the gate. Yeah. So the obstacle, we have the obstacle, then we have the opportunity that right. presents itself, which the truth is, even as I'm hearing, you're just sharing some of the opportunities. Some of the opportunities. You can go on and on and Every, on. And that's a great, everyone authentically has their own opportunity. So when we make one decision, that's the third part, mm -hmm. from viewing it as an obstacle. If we make one decision when we feel like this sucks, mm -hmm. what decision do we make? I can't do anything about it. Can't do anything about it. Uh, no one, it, we start getting into the negative force. Mm -hmm. That things aren't going to change. I put too much time in. When we view it as an opportunity, the one decision we make is inspired. We're calling people. We're hustling. You know, we're like, I'm like, like I sometimes say to myself, you know, I'm like a cockroach. You can't get rid of me. You know, we've just begun. You know, it's like you make decisions viewing them as an opportunity. And the last O, it's called the four O's, obstacle, opportunity, one decision, and then outcome. So the outcome, when we're being authentic and making a decision from viewing it as an opportunity is we can let go of the outcome. When we make one decision from viewing it as an obstacle, that's when we start to go, God, I gotta clean up that up again, or I shouldn't have said that, or God, I didn't feel good about it. We start feeling insecure and we're not making decisions that better our life. So it's, it's as simple as viewing it differently and making decisions from that mindset is what ultimately leads us to a more authentic, better life. You know, I think there's a, there's such a deep level of truth in what you're sharing. And I know that everybody's had these experiences that the obstacle turned into something of value for them in their right. lives. You know, if we look back on some of the toughest things we've gone through and the character traits that came from it or the, right. the, the directions that, that shifted us to in our lives and how it kind of moved us forward, mm. you know? And I think that the only thing that can keep us feeling stagnant is when we don't learn from the obstacle, when we don't get something from it because we're choosing not to. We're choosing not to. Yeah. We're choosing so not to. I want to circle back and ask you about authenticity again, because mm -hmm. I think it makes it easier to do this process when you are feeling in your power, you're feeling authentic, being authentic to who right. you really are. Right. And right now I feel that we're experiencing an epidemic of inauthenticity, mm. right? Because we're exposed to so... How we evolved is we might compare ourselves to maybe a few people in our tribe or a village. Now you can compare yourself to hundreds of people a day or thousands even right. a day. Like we're just not wired up for all of that comparison. And so how is that really our, our, our lives right now? How is our constant state of comparison pulling away from our authenticity? Well, it definitely is. And that's why it's so important to build our community and people who love and accept us for who we are, yeah. and looking towards those people, mm -hmm. getting our mindset to look at those relationships. Social media is not authentic. You know, and if you want to go the direction of, um, I'm just gonna say everything, you sometimes can go the route of being angry. <laughs> like, and that's not really who you are. It's like, who are you fighting? Strangers, ghosts, right? So. 
you know, I think it's it's just so important that we express ourselves the most authentic way, but also not give other people um, parts of ourselves that maybe they don't deserve. And and also, you know, I find it so interesting in my own industry of coaches. A lot of these coaches buy their followers, they buy their engagement, and they position themselves a certain type of way, but yet they're preaching authenticity. And it's like, it's sometimes from my own brain, right? Like I struggle with it at times. Like I struggle with like, you know, sometimes, well, why are they getting that? But then I have to go, man, you got a great life, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and start to get into a lot of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it's like a popularity contest. Yeah. And the more I found, and you do this, you trailblaze, you march to your own beat. You're not um, someone that like, you know, copies other people. I feel like you're even someone who's like, I want to make sure I don't ever be seen as copying anyone else. And you probably put a lot of thought behind things to make sure of that, right? I make my own model. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for right. sure. For sure. It's intentional. Absolutely. Yeah. And also I'm... I'm going about this intentionally for other people to be more confident about who they are. Right. You know, I'm changing the framework of what a scientist looks like, what a healthcare practitioner right. looks like, what they sound like. I'm with you. I, I, you I'm changing me? the way of what a life coach can sound like. Yeah. Absolutely. And look like and vibe like. Yeah. You know, like I get all the time people going like, well, that doesn't sound very professional. And it's the best compliment <laughs> ever because I'm not looking for them to think I'm the best professional ever. Or like. You know, I, I think like mental health and healthcare in general, like we all struggle with mental health. We're all trying to do the best we can. And the guy in like just being in a suit in an office is that's the old model, you know? And I think really it's about everyone has the opportunity to express themselves just like we are trying to do day to day. Anyone can do that day to day. And they're enough. And, and, as long as we don't care, meaning like anyone, what other people think, we're good. As soon as we start deeply caring, we struggle. And so that's why it's so important to surround ourselves with people who love us, yeah. support us. And that sounds cliche, but I'm telling you during COVID, Zoom is not the same. You know, like someone, my neighbor texted me, he moved to New York. He wanted to Zoom and check in. I said, I'm not doing Zoom. Like, I don't like I'm past that now. I want to connect with people. You know, I want to I want to feel the vibe of people. Yeah, we we don't live in this is not a movie like we see is futuristic movies where, you know, it's that kind of communication. It's it's, you know, virtual. Right. But humans, we evolve. We're talking about billions of years here getting to this point of community and working together. Right. And suddenly, literally within the last couple of decades, it's just been this huge fracture of what Mm. that looks like. And prior to uh, the pandemic and all the shutdowns, one of the former um, Surgeon Generals of the the United States, their publicist reached out, you know, sent me their work and they were coming forward sharing that loneliness is the number one health problem in our country. It's, it's, It's the foundation for so many other issues and i went and dug around and looked at the data and it was very compelling to mm. say the least and so we're we're living in a culture where we're getting more and more separated and so with you, what you're saying is so simple but are we doing it which is pay more attention and cultivate real relationships that keep you supported yeah, peloton uplifted. is not in, in, 
I know people love Peloton. I have a Peloton bike, although I'm over it now because it's not community. It's not real. It's a facade and they make you feel like you're a part of this thing. That's so exciting to get. You're not. You're literally punching in on a computer and like my screen name's Vita Maria, which is the name of my dog. And it's like, I'm not going to lunch with anyone. I'm basically spinning with an instructor, but they make it seem, see, the thing is a lot of these marketing campaigns, same thing with telehealth. There's a lot of things going on to make you feel like, oh, I should feel really good. I, I'm a part of this. We're not. It's marketing. And, and we sit back and we look at it and then we start to feel really lonely. Yeah, you're going to feel lonely. If you're riding a bike five days a week with a computer screen, yeah, you're going to feel lonely. That's not connecting. That's not. And I know people will be like, I love my, that's great. But for a lot of people, it's not enough. For me, it's not enough. You know, and, and COVID, especially with marketing, has made it seem like we're all able to be so connected and we're not. You know, and I'm, I'm, I think I get like, you know, I've, I've like a few things where like I get reactive and, and you know, that's, that's something I also get reactive with pharmaceutical company commercials. And I know you're passionate about that too. And I work in mental health. So they're always coming around trying to get this medicine, this mess and this mess. And it's just like, ask your doctor, right? That's not how it's supposed to work. And by yeah. the way, like doctors for mental health, even though they can prescribe medication, I think it's something like. It's I, I don't know the exact number, but I want to say it's like they take two or three courses on the brain. If that, yeah. if that, but it's not like it's, but they can prescribe medication for the brain. Yeah. And they're not actually looking at the organ that they're treating. No. That's the, that's the biggest issue. And the amount of clients that we get at, <clears throat> at cast centers where the primary doctor put them on cocktails and medications where yeah. we're like, based on a conversation. Yeah. And we're like, why are they on Xanax? Because, because benzos, for example, a lot of people have ended up on benzos during COVID. Benzos are like Valium, Xanax, and they're the most brutal withdrawal of any drug, period. Like, because it can last for months. They're slow acting in terms of the, like when they hit your blood and, and, and how it works with time. And you can literally, and every drug, what's interesting, especially with, uh, is you get the opposite effect when you stop taking it. So you get heightened effect. So let's say you're on a medication to stop anxiety. When you stop the medication, your anxiety is going to go through the roof because your system is built up to protect that anxiety. And so your tolerance goes up. And so by the time you get off of it, it is brutal. Like it's a, if it was at a four, it's now at an eight. And so it doesn't, it's like some of these medications are tricky because Unless you're committed to being on them for a long, long time. I mean, you can't you can't work a full time job and go through like getting off Xanax. And I'm talking these are slow doses. These aren't like, you know, someone's taking a bunch of Xanny bars. It's in it over time. So anyways, I just got triggered around community is, and like, hey, this is your you're yeah, really speaking drugs, my language because, you know? you know, if we're if we're really being honest about it, you know, everything has its place. Drugs yeah. have their place. But what these are doing, these are masking symptoms. They're masking symptoms. They're not actually bringing a solution. Right. And that's the unfortunate thing. And if we're just being honest, in an acute situation, these are great places for medications. Mm -hmm. But for chronic issues, for things that people are really struggling with, if we're just going to hide the symptom, what, what are you actually doing? You know, 
your body is trying to express and give you feedback that something's wrong. So let's go ahead and silence that alarm and see what happens. Right, because doctors today have become the modern day drug dealer. Like, they're the biggest prescribers of opiates that mimic when somebody's on heroin, right? Like, this just happens to be in a pill and, then, and you can get it for a copay. But, and not all doctors are like, horrible you know there's great people out there it's just when you're dealing with vulnerable people in general vulnerability comes from someone going i don't know what to do tell me help me you know and that's why i get a little bit of a reaction to it like some of these coaching conferences when like people get opened up for two to three days they're seeking they're feeling the richness of life and then someone's like and by the way it's fifty thousand a year to sign up for this program i'm like why don't you give them like a week you know what I mean? Like, let them go back in their life. But I guess that's not the business model. But with, same thing with doctors. When someone's coming in vulnerable, they're not calling the spouse and the family system. Like, there's a lot of dynamics with yeah, psychology. So it's, not, it's not as simple as like... Here's a pill, yeah. unfortunately. And, you know, having the opportunity to work in healthcare and have so many colleagues, unfortunately, and they'll share this with you, that the system is structured in such a way that Many physicians, even though they love people, they're there to serve. They're trying to to help people get better. It doesn't allow for that. Right. You know, it's really treating people. It's volume. It's really operating in volume and not value yeah. or quality. And just to keep the whole big machine running. And uh, I just shared recently that Johnson and Johnson closed in on a almost thirty billion dollar lawsuit to settle their contributions to the opioid crisis. Mm. You know, and right now their name is top of mind because they got a new drug. That's again not FDA approved, actually, um, and just we're getting we're going to wait and see what happens, you know. And another one of their um, issues, the 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 baby powder, you know, they just closed in on a, about a five billion dollar lawsuit on the baby powder. Why would happen with the baby powder? You don't know about the baby about powder and baby. the cancer? Yeah, what? no, I yeah. don't know about this baby yeah. powder. So Johnson, I don't have Johnson, any babies. They knowingly knowingly hid data coming from their own scientists, even that this could potentially be a carcinogen. Mm. And they just kept it on the market for all those years. And again, it's not to say that value can't come from these organizations, but if they have a track record right. of criminal activity, felonies, right. kill, death, yeah. we and they get to keep running business as usual. That's the crazy part about but, it. And, and I think what it comes down to in a lot of these is like education. And granted, if you can afford it, some of these private schools, they yeah they're gonna offer the most customized experience for kids right like and it's phenomenal and i've spoken to some of these schools and it's very you know very prestigious but um really that's the school of life and how do you navigate all of this messaging how do you navigate relationships like we're never taught in school about mindset growing up you know we we're not taught about here's how you improve your mindset here's how you view an obstacle and turn it into an opportunity Here's what you do with a, a stress, right? Here's what you do when you don't feel enough. And I think those type of topics in schools as courses, I mean, who, I, who identified in schools what is considered a course? Okay, this is a course. Well, why wouldn't you have a mindset course? Like, why wouldn't you have a true health course? You're going to put food in your body every day. What, there's no health? Why would that not be as important as trigonometry? Like... I can't tell you one thing. I mean, look, I did basic algebra, but like, imagine how many hours went into studying 
that could have been on like, here's how you regulate your sleep. And here's some tricks to get yourself to deal with anxiety. How cool would that be? Yeah. That's life. These are real things That's we life. use in the real world every day. Every day. And I'm every one day. of those guys. I took all of these math classes and advanced stuff. I don't even know why. Really. Because you're smart. You're very <laughs> smart. And you probably were like excited and got into it. Yeah. And yeah. you probably like statistics. And yeah. Data. I was just going to say my one of my last classes in college was business statistics. So and gnarly. I yeah. failed that class. Yeah. That is so hard. I even remember my teacher, uh, Professor Abdul. Uh -huh. Shout out to Professor Abdul. But it's just like fascinating to me. But where does the translation of value in people's lives? Right. You know, because again, a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of people might use that data. But I'm so grateful to have you here to say this, which yeah. is, and we can change it in our lifetime where mm. these classes are taught to children on basic principles of health and taking care of their body. Right. Basic principles of of operating and understanding their own mind that they live with all the time that's making decisions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's... uh in my opinion, courses should be based upon what we deal with day to day in life and less about like stuff that isn't relevant, you know, and how cool would that be to, to be able to build up and grow people to be their true authentic selves and to be able to carry themselves. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with like kids can't help what families they grow up in. And, you know, the trauma that goes on in some households and what people are dealing with. Help, let's help people figure that out. You know, as, as you're talking, this is reminding me why this doesn't exist is that it doesn't fit into conformity. These things are anti-conformity when you teach people how to think, mm. not what to think. And when you teach them, when you when you deprive them of learning about their bodies and how how to feel good, that's ant, that's that's pro conformity. Mm. And so this is how we get into a system where we have the medical system, where we've got people who want to help others get trapped in a system where they're working for the drug industry, even if they didn't sign up for that, yep. you know, and just feeding into the problem and the insurance companies and the government regulations and all of it is feeding into the most powerful industry and really even their legal system. There's their lawyers are the most powerful people. On oh the planet, yeah. You don't want to, you know, if we're them. talking about the drug industry, and one other little fun fact that, you know, I was just shocked to see, but it wasn't an accident because you mentioned the drug commercials. Yeah. They come on television. Pharmaceutical companies provide billions of dollars every year in funding major media networks. Mm -hmm. Every year. I believe it. Why would they have a report about, they might tell you about the Johnson Johnson. Uh, and I actually, I saw it at the bottom of the little ticker. They didn't have a big feature on it. They didn't talk much about it. It's here today, gone yeah. today. Yeah. But they'll keep hammering you away with all the thing, all the fear and all the other problems, but they're not going to mess with their money. Yeah. And it's um, I mean, right now you even have where the celebrities will give away millions of hours. I don't know, million dollars worth of therapy with some of these apps, these mental health apps. Well, first of all, they're not giving it away. They're getting paid a fortune. OK. And then all they're doing and then you're looking at it and you're like, well, is that really like the best type of approach is like people sitting at home talking to a therapist? Like I understand get help and help comes in all sorts of different types of way. I think it's just, you know, like when you're in it and you see what's going on or like you're in it and you're like, like I was going to ask you. Because Cal, I don't. I know in California now, all public schools are they're supplying food. 
Have you seen that? I have not. No. So in California now, all public schools, um, they're providing food. It's mandatory. Mm. But I was, I was just curious what you thought about it because I was like, well, what are they supplying? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, what are they? Yeah. Because they could just be feeding the problem. Literally. It could be an opportunity, right? Yeah, of if course. If there was some just a, Just a modicum of health yeah. coming behind it. But I was on the free lunch program and it's much the same. You get your little single serving size cereal bowl. Yeah. You know, you get a, a juice and you get yourself a milk and you have at it. You know, yeah. you feel yourself or anti-fuel yourself to start the day, you know, and on, a, on a, another day we might get, you know, packaged donuts or, you know, things of that nature, but not real food. This is yeah. not real food that they're providing yeah. for these children, but we can change that. We can change it. That's accessible. It's possible. And so for me, I'm passionate and understand there's the obstacle there. But with work like yours, it really is a format because I also see the opportunity. In yeah, it, there know? is. And we've got to focus on that. Yeah, because we can get stuck in the problem or we can get stuck in the solution. And when we get stuck in the problem, we don't feel good. You know, we get frustrated when we see there's an opportunity to get in it, then we feel better. That's why I was like, oh, you should see if you could work with this, uh, what they're supplying in the schools. That could be really helpful. Low key. Uh -huh. I am. Oh, you are. There's some little stuff going on behind the scenes, okay. you know, but this is part of the process. You know, I wanted to influence policy change, yeah. which there's some really cool stuff going on with some, some of the, the folks that have been reaching out in, in policy and government. Um, but the nature of that is by me saying, you know what, I don't even care if you don't do this. Mm. Because for a long time I was pr approaching that, like trying to get in position to do that. I'm just of the mind that we can do it ourselves. Right. At the end of the day, when it really boils down to it, we can do it ourselves. We don't have to wait around for whoever filling in the, uh, the blank to do it. Yeah. And I want to ask you about this because getting to that place where we can take action and make big change, yeah. one of the things that we do is we get distracted. We use distractions. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier of your own experience with drugs and alcohol and working with so many people and just having a major impact with that. That's one method of distraction from our potential. Yeah, and I've worked with it all. I mean, the last, I would say, seven, even though I own a center, I, my primary work has been with people who are successful out there, you know, creating a lot of magic in their own life. You know, like they're, they're on fire, right? But they still have aspects of their life that are distractions or that are weighing them down. Social media is another big distraction today. It is. So how do we manage some of this stuff? Like, why do we, why do, we do that? Why do we use these things when we're when we know we, we we should be quote should be taking action to create the life that we want that we say we want why do we get distracted well i mean i think uh all distraction is not bad right so sometimes whether you believe in god or universe like it could be something's trying to creep in that's really helpful right so sometimes like um that's helpful we we do know that people can't really do two things at once you know, a lot of people think that they can like, uh, you know, listen while they're typing, while they're like, your brain doesn't have that ability really. It does go down a little bit. So the focus does go away. But I think it's the level of distraction that we have our control over. So, you know, whether we're watching movies all day or whether we're going on social media or whether we're making decisions that have enough of a significant impact that it could change our lives. I mean, the two motivators for us to change any behavior, big motivators, are consequences if we don't change it. Sometimes the consequences aren't that big of a deal. The distraction is not that bad. It's like, yeah, okay, 
we may not be able to 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 do this in our business, but like whatever, it's not that serious. Or it could be that like, oh, this is going to be detrimental, right? So the level of focus depends. So the one is consequences. Sometimes there aren't big consequences. You know, it's social media is so nebulous. It's hard to tell what the consequence is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going on social media and looking at all these pages. Well, what's the consequence? Well, every time you're digesting information, you have to ask yourself, did I feel smarter after? Do I feel happier? Did it satisfy anything in me? Because it's no different than playing a video game then. I mean, I can say I play Magic the Gathering, which is like a card game. Like I literally enter tournaments and stuff. Oh, you're a big, big nerd. Yeah, big but, nerd like, energy so, over here. But I, I <laughs> do it to debrief. Like I do it yeah, to like it. meditative almost, right? And I have done it at times when I want to escape. I'll like play on my computer and I'm probably playing some 12 year old in Japan or something, <laughs> right? Like uh, because their cards are in like Japanese. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, uh, I think there's levels to which we get consequences based upon our decisions. And the other is pain. So the second reason why we change is pain. We uh, get sick and tired of being sick and tired. We don't like how we feel. We don't like how that's making me feel. To be honest, I saw the movie Fast and Furious 9 and I was going through pain. I mean, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was like by the end of it, I, I literally I literally wanted to leave so bad, but I was on a date and I couldn't leave. It was so bad, like that, so bad. That's a big statement. I haven't seen it yet, but. I, it's, I honestly, uh, I, I, I would have rather cleaned my closet. Okay, like, but by the way, it's not that severe. I don't go and see movies all the time to have this reaction. But if you're doing a behavior that doesn't bring you joy, and I'm not discrediting all the Fast and Furious, you know, creations. I know people put a lot of effort in. I know it's a lot of energy. I know it's probably it's grossly successful. But I think like it's figuring out what are those things that are distracting us and not being a perfectionist. It's all good. Mm. Like, like, you know, sometimes people always, they'll bring up like quotes. They'll bring up quotes about like Steve jobs did this, right? Why don't you ask his kid how he was as a dad? Because I've read certain things, but everyone wants to talk about Steve jobs is this or that. Well, why don't we talk about what's more important? How did you impact the relationships in your life? And sometimes we miss the mark in terms of like, what are our priorities? You know, it's more important to show up for your kids or those people you love than it is to make another million dollars. Because you get to have an impact on people that love you. And there's no better feeling than love. So... Again, I don't know his son. I'm just saying that's what I read. It could be totally inaccurate. Um, but I do think it's a matter of like focusing on what is important and making sure that that aspect of your life is fulfilled. This is so good. Mike, I've got one more question for you. Um, how do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with when these situations have taken place and we feel like maybe we've done something wrong? We've struggle to make this particular change and we are struggling to uh just come to terms with things and we're just disappointed in well, ourselves we do, we we, do? the number one thing is we don't do it alone 
and that uh, for some people, unfortunately, they've been taught you got to do it alone. Uh, anyone who grows up in, in a traumatic household with like an abusive parent or abusive situation has a very hard time asking for help because their, their caregiver growing up was not providing that help. It wasn't safe. And so for some people, they don't want to ask for help or they feel like if they ask for help, they're going to owe someone or they're going to ask. They create a story. And we're all here on this planet trying to like figure this thing out together. And, and it's when I say asking for help, it's having coffee with someone who you admire and being like, how did you do that? Or like, how did you keep yourself from not being stressed? You know, people like to share, you know, Dr. Phil and I'm on, you know, Dr. Phil quite a bit. And I ask him a ton of questions because he's got a lot of wisdom. You know, I, he is a mentor of mine, but I wasn't like saying, hey, could you be my mentor? I just literally am like, how'd you do that? Like, how do you do that? Like, how, how do you deal with people being mean towards you? How do you deal with someone lying about you? Like, how do you do? And, and I think it's like disappointment. And a lot of people will do this through a divorce. They won't ask for help and they suffer a lot. And help doesn't mean going to therapy. Help is free. help can be very free. And we all have people in our like tribe or life. We all have those people that like we haven't even seen in like a year or two years, but we always have that vibe with them. And we always know that we can just be real with them and talk. And it's it's literally getting the words out and getting vulnerable with another person. And that starts to get the ball moving. Because when we feel really disappointed, which is, is an, an emotion, and we, of course, can experience it, but it's also like, if it start, starts to affect our lives, we need help. help. I think help has this weird connotation, like it's like a bad thing. You know, a lot of people believe, ah, you don't ask for help. I got that. Well, Okay, but you're going to suffer more. For me, I'm asking everyone for help. I'm asking everyone around me for help, you know? So that would be my uh, suggestion. That's perfect. That is absolutely gold. Mike, thank you so much for hanging out thank with us you, today. Sean. This has been fun. Uh, can you let everybody know where they can connect with you, get more from Coach Mike, and yes. also where can they pick up your books? Sure. So it's Coach Mike Bear on all social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter. And then, uh, yeah, easiest way is Amazon um, to get One Decision or Best Self. And that's it, really. I mean, I, I mean, if someone's really struggling in your life, you could call us at Cast Centers. We give free assessments. We could refer out to your area. Um, we have some coaching programs and um, but I'm just grateful to be here with you. And this is an honor to be here. So thanks for having me, man. Oh, thank you. Like I've been diving into your world so much the past couple of weeks. And the great thing about you is you make these things palatable. You make it fun. And also I love, again, I want to reiterate this, even in your books, you made it so actionable, which is not common. Thanks. You know, and so I can see, and also just knowing the people that you've worked with and some of the people that you work with and had an impact on, they absolutely love you. You know, you're the walking, talking example of it. And I just appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Awesome. Coach Mike Bayer, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. One of the biggest takeaways for me today and also for us, it's something that is lacking. We're experiencing a deficiency in this 
particular asset that helps us to feel empowered in making decisions, and that's community. That's making sure that we're tuning in and connecting with people who love and support us, who keep us feeling uplifted, who remind us how powerful and capable we are to manifest change in our lives. We need that desperately today. We need it more than ever. And we can also be that for other people as well. You know, be the change. As Gandhi stated, be the change that you want to see. So being that for other people, holding a space, keeping them uplifted, and being a light in people's lives. And also, as Mike talked about today, we can have a tendency to be on that lone wolf tip, you know, to be out here, you know, call of the wild on our own, oh, doing our own thing. All right. The reality is we need each other. We need people. We got here via at least two people getting together. You know, that's how it all happens. We need other humans for us to grow and, and to develop. And today, more so than ever, when there's so much distraction, when there's so many things telling you what you're not able to do, where there's so much comparison and a lack of, of self-value and self-worth, it's more important than ever to proactively get ourselves in communities and proactively get ourselves around friends and family who keep us uplifted by any means necessary. All right, so if that isn't your current state right now, make it an intention. Move towards that, all right, and become that for other people. There's no reason that we can't shed more light for others right now, especially in a time when we desperately need it. All right, so again, remember the power of decisions. All right, this power is in your hands right now. You can write the future that you want. Many big changes, many of the most incredible things, incredible adventures, writing the rest of your incredible story, the pen is in your hand. You have the power to decide. But again, it's getting ourselves to the place where we make those decisions. So definitely recommend checking out Coach Mike's work more and just siphoning some of that inspiration, but also the strategies, also the mindset so that we can feel more empowered and the ultimate power of making decisions. I appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, please share it out on social media. You can tag me and you can tag Coach Mike as well. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram and Twitter, and he is at Coach Mike Bayer, B-A-Y-E-R. All right, so I appreciate you so much. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon, so make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.